Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Street strikes me, born an 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullshit, 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 crazy with this bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today's guest discovered his passion nine years ago to provide sneakers to the less fortunate by starting his nonprofit, It's From the Soul. In that time, through his organization, he has provided over 30,000 pairs of sneakers to the less fortunate in New York City, Philadelphia, Norristown, Washington, D.C., San Antonio, Houston, Huntsville, Seattle, Barbados, Jamaica, Colombia, Guyana, Paris, London, and Guyi, and many more. He has hosted bi-weekly sneaker distribution events in major cities around the world. And through his great service, he has been awarded the 2015 NAACP Award, the 2015 TD Bank Bring Change Award, and New York One's New Yorker of the Year and Week Award. Allow me to introduce my friend and founder of It's From the Soul, Mr. Andre McDowell. Welcome to the show, my brother. Good to have you here. Good to see you, G, man. This is beautiful, man. So I love all the stuff, all the work that you're doing. It's from the soul. We got this podcast called Nine Five Killers, and what we do is we talk about people who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions, but what I've extended it to is there's some people that still work a day job but are still killing it, and I don't want to get those those people, pass those people over. So now it's extended now where... You're, you're an entrepreneur, but you also work for, you work for somebody as well, still, right? Okay. So, but where, before we get into any of that, let's start out with, introduce yourself. Who is Andre? My name's Andre McDonald. I'm 47 years old. I'm from Jackson, St. Michael, Barbados. I came to this country when I was young, under five years old. Uh, I have two sisters. They're both married. <laughs> my, my mom and my father are still living together. I have a 27-year-old daughter. Just, <laughs> I'm in love with music. I love concerts. Nothing in the world like using your passport. And I like to go to places where people don't speak English. Man, that's a lot. When I'm thinking about how you started out, take us to uh, the trip a young, at your first memories of, being in New York City, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you used to do? Like I talked to you earlier, like when I was a kid, I used to hang out sometimes on in the block with my friends. And but I always I always worked. I, I started paper out, I, I packed bags. I, I always I was I was hustling. So tell us about the young Andre. Like what were your first examples of like the hustle? I wanna know where that hustle, that that strive comes from. Where where does it come from? I think my first hustle was when I went to high school in Pennsylvania. At that point in time, I was living in East Flatbush on 54th between Snyder and Tilden. And I went to the corner store. Remember, they had Sour Power. Remember the Sour Power candy? And I bought a bunch of them, and I was eating them in in my dormitory in Pennsylvania. And all the kids from, like, Chicago, all the kids from L.A., all the kids from, like, North Carolina was like, yo, what is that? And I was like, yo, the Sour Power, man. You don't know Sour Power? They're like, nah, what is that? I was like, yo, it's a candy you can get in Brooklyn. They're like, yo, we need that. That joint is good. 
I went home the, <laughs> the next home trip. I went to the corner store and I told him, yo, I need to buy a box of this. He's like, what? I said, yo, I don't know how much this is going to cost, but I need to buy a box of it. And he was selling Sour Power for five cent. I was going to Pennsylvania and selling it for 25 cent and then going to the elementary school and selling it for a dollar for one. Wait, how old were you at this time? I was 15 years old. And wow. I, I think that's where my hustle came from. Uh, then also seeing my grandmother, she worked six days a week, you know, every she worked six days a week and only took one day off, which was Sunday. And the Sunday that she took off, she spent the whole day in church. So there's a in my life, even right now as a grown man, every time I become lazy or I think of I can't do it or, oh, man, I think of my grandmother. And it puts me back in that place letting me know you got to get it done. If this woman could work for six days a year and, and didn't take no vacation, her, what do you call it, the her vacation time hours right. was crazy. She never, they had to beg her to take vacations. She never wanted to go on vacation. So I think that's where the, the hustle came from. Then also I've worked in retail my whole life. I've only, I've never worked a job where I sat down. I always worked in clothing stores. I've been fortunate enough to work at some of the best clothing stores also too. So with that being said, I was able to become more of a people person, know how to connect with people, how to connect with people from different races, connect with people of uh, different stature, different money, you know, uh, even though I didn't have any, but I still was able to find that, that, that middle ground of relating with these people. Uh, retail also has helped me too, because I was able to travel the world because of fashion. I worked at one of the most popular clothing stores at one point in time in New York. So wasn't it? Can you talk about it? Or yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So I worked at this store called the Atrium Clothing Store, six forty four Broadway on the corner of Bleecker Street. If you were in fashion in New York City, that was the place you had to go to. If you were from another state or another country and you wanted the flyest gear, you had to come to that store. That store taught me life you know um <laughs> just so many experiences good and bad but it was a great 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 place and it was a just a a staple of new york fashion the atrium clothing store i've helped every celebrity in the world you name them they have shopped with me i uh, mm -hmm. was able to go to all these free concerts and you know, and another thing, too, uh, when we do get into what I do now, I do speak at schools and I tell them, you know, um, I wore a thousand dollars worth of clothes every day, but I ate chicken McNuggets and iced tea. I couldn't even treat myself to a good meal because my mind state was what I had on was who I am. And that's not true. It's not what you wear. It's how you feel. And I thought wearing nice clothes made me feel good. And I thought wearing nice clothes made me feel better than other people. Mm. And I thought wearing nice clothes made me better than other people. So in your opinion, what do you think is marketed to people who don't have as much and, and gets them thinking that what they have is what brings value to them? Well, I think what these companies are doing now, especially with marketing, they make you feel that if you have their clothes on, that you're better than anybody. 
you you can never see money will never show by what you have on. As that these companies now, they make you feel that if you're wearing their clothes, that you're 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 better. You know, I go to schools all the time, and I tell people, I pull out a Stan Smith Adidas, and I ask the kids, "How many of you kids like this sneaker?" And the kids will, um, yay! And then I go in the, my right hand. And I pull a Kanye West out and I said, how many of you guys like this sneaker? And they start going crazy, G. They start going crazy. But you have to educate them to let them know that this sneaker called a Stan Smith Adidas is made in the same factory as this sneaker called a Kanye West. The only difference that the Kanye West takes one more day to make compared to the Stan Smith Adidas. But the Kanye West, every three to four months, they come with a new color. And Stan Smith has been going on for how long? With just two color waves. Mm -hmm. White with navy, white with green. The Stan Smith, though, looks beautiful with a suit. It looks beautiful with slacks. It looks beautiful with sweatpants. It looks beautiful with jeans. It looks beautiful with shorts. But the Kanye is just a certain look, you know? And we have to educate these kids. You can buy... Three pairs of these Stan Smiths for the price of this one Kanye. But the difference between the Kanye is that they're going to continue giving you different colors. So now if you buy this sneaker, you got to keep up. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that these marketing companies are doing to our children. They're taking our children from us. Then they said, you know what? We can't just make the sneaker because the sneaker is not going to be enough. So they get the newest rapper or the person who is most popular, give them a check to wear the sneaker and endorse the sneaker. And then our children are breaking their neck, not eating lunch during the day, saving their money to go buy that sneaker. Right. So my, my, my question would be this, right? So I'm hearing a lot of things here. And one of the things I'm thinking about is when you educate a kid on branding, because you mentioned branding. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not buying a sneaker because um, they don't know who Stan Smith is. Mm. They know who Kanye West is. They know that mm -hmm. Kanye West looks like them. They know that um, he has a story. So we have what we're, and this is why I brought you here today is to, we gonna, cause I know like, I know what you do. We're gonna talk about it, but I think what gets lost sometimes in interviews when pe people are in front of us, we get so excited at what they do and, and what they, we don't think about starting back from the beginning mm. to start. And so the start is, first of all, Branding. You're branding your company right now. I see that you have the shirt on. I'm glad to see that. What about brand branding? Can you teach a, a young person why it's important to, instead of putting more money into someone else's brand, investing in their own brand? What are your mm. thoughts on that and how do you educate them? Well, what I'm wearing now belongs to me. This is my company. I've made millions and millions and millions of dollars for other people. But now I'm wearing my brand. I'm wearing, this belongs to me. So when people see this on the street, I want them to know that this is mine. And then another thing also too, if it is yours, why would you invest in somebody so much in someone else's when you have your own? I don't go nowhere without my It's From The Soul t-shirt. I don't go nowhere without my It's From The Soul hoodie. I don't go nowhere without an It's From The Soul baseball cap. I don't go nowhere without my It's From The Soul varsity jacket. Why? Because I want people to know my brand. Great thing right now, because of the push, the determination, and the passion, when I walk the street, there's usually two things that happen. Somebody said, that's a cool t-shirt, and now what I can do? Educate them on what the brand, what this is that you're saying is cool. And then 
also too, we walk down the street and people know it's from the soul. Hey, shoe guy, right? Sneaker guy, right? So that means we've done the work where people have now acknowledged the the brand and the organization. Then not only that, also too, you never know who you're going to run into. You never know who you're going to see. I've spent money on other people's brands. But why, now I have my own. How could I not wear my own? How could I not? How could we not have our own? You have your own sneaker. That's my fantasy right there. You see those two things right there, that left mm-hmm. sneaker and right sneaker that you have with the K on it? Yeah. That is my fantasy to one day have our logo on a sneaker. That's the, that's, that's the goal. That's the, that's the drive to, to make sure some brand says, you know what? We want to sponsor you. We want to make sure that people could, we can put your logo in a box and provide it for people. Mm. That would be amazing. Branding is very, very important too. I'm not sitting here acting like I'm Salvation Army. I'm not sitting here acting like I'm Goodwill, which are like very big, big organizations. We are still, to me, you know, humbly, still a small organization based out of Brooklyn, New York. What were some of the struggles when you started? So I worked in fashion for a very long time. And I used to have a lot of NBA clients that used to shop with me at Atrium. And one day Malik Allen, who's now an assistant coach on the Miami Heat, for my birthday on May 17th, he gave me a pair of brand new sneakers. June 18th, me and my friends are playing basketball in Soho. And I saw a less fortunate gentleman walking with no shoes and socks on. Two things happened to me. I looked down at my feet. I looked down at his feet and how swollen they were. And I said, I got to do something about it. I ran up to the gentleman and said, excuse me, sir. Sir means respect. He said, leave me alone. Get out of my face. What you want from me? Leave me alone. I said, can I ask you what size shoe you wear? He's like, why? Just leave me alone. I was like, yo, what size shoe you wear? He said, the last time I remember, the last time he remembered, he wears size 10. I wear 12, so my feet are two sizes bigger than his. I begged him, please, can you put your sneak, your foot in my shoe? I don't have any money. Leave me alone. I'm good. I said, I'll leave you alone if you just try them on. He tried them on, and they fit him perfectly. That means when I touched the tip of this shoe, his toe was there. That means if I gave him a 10, it would have fit him like a size 8. That's how swollen his feet were. There's two things that happened to me to that moment. I said, how many people are like this gentleman here? And then also, how many sneakers are back in the apartment in Brooklyn that I don't even wear, that have the tag in the, in the box, never touch the floor, one of 100 pairs, one of 200 pairs, autographed, signed, but never warm, just had them just to say I had them. And what I started doing is I started walking around New York City every day, packing a suitcase like that, mm-hmm. and just walking around New York City providing sneakers to people who need them and not people who want them. The struggle, which I would love to speak about in doing is from the Soul, is um, asking your friends and your family for sneakers. In the beginning, I would ask people to give me their sneakers, and they would laugh at me. Because in their head, they're like, Dre, you work in fashion. You, what you don't have, why do you want mine? 
And I tried to tell people I'm I'm every day I'm walking around the city and I'm providing sneakers to less fortunate people now. No one believed me and they laughed at me. They laughed at me. So what I started doing, I said, I need to come up with a way to get people to believe me. So when people started giving me their sneakers, I started sending them videos or pictures without the person's face, showing them the before and after, which is what the person had on or didn't have on, and then your sneakers that we're providing them. And people started to pay attention to it. And then one day at 7.48 in the morning, my friend Manuel Bless you, Manuel, uh, in Virginia, you and your family. And my friend Manuel was like, yo, I'm in the gym, and you're on the TV right now. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I hung up on him. It was too early for the jokes. He's a <laughs> right. jokester. Right. And it was too early. I hung up, and he called me back but FaceTimed me and took this phone and put it towards the, the TV. And it was me on CNN. CNN took my, some of my videos that I created myself, chopped it up, and did a story about the organization. Wow. Now, G, when that happened and this segment was done, for the next five to ten minutes, my phone rang like a hundred times. That means all these law firms, all these businesses in New York calling me. Hey, uh, you're the shoe guy, right? Yes, I'm Andre. Can I have your ENI number? We would love to donate. What is the ENI number? Mm. This like your nonprofit number. You said you're a nonprofit. Yeah, I'm a nonprofit. I'm not making money off this. I'm doing this out of my own pocket. This like, you don't have an ENI number? I was like, no. They said, well, yeah, that's some great work you do. When you have an ENI number, call us back. Click, 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 click. And in my head, I was like, what is this ENI number? Why are they hanging up on me? Why won't they help me? Because I don't have it. Mm. To find out that that means that you are a certified nonprofit organization. So I've been doing It's From The Soul now for nine years. Um, but for three years, I just had my ENI. Mm. Yes. So for the first six years, all the countries, all the states that our organization has been going to, I was paying that out of my own pocket. No one was helping me. I was paying for that myself. But now we are a certified nonprofit. So because of that day with that gentleman with no shoes on, when I helped them, it felt good. Knowing I'm a little spoiled brat, knowing that I think it's all about me. I think I'm the flyest. I think I'm the hottest. <laughs> I think I'm the best dressed everywhere I go. But no substance, no, 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 no love, no, no joy, no joy. Just dress nice. Ain't doing nothing for nobody. Ain't helping nobody. Ain't doing, ain't giving nothing to nobody. I just, it's about me. And then I only wanted to hang with people who were broken, dressed fly too. So it was a bunch of us dressed fly, broke crew. <laughs> we, everywhere we go, we get in for free because yeah. we fly. Yeah. But we ain't, we ain't doing nothing for nobody. We're just some selfish 
people, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, th- I think, and I'll tell you I give you some credit, though, bro, because for you to for you to come from that, because I've been there, you know that. I mean, dress and fly is something You were that, one of my customers. What are you talking I about? Yes. I was one of your customers, yeah, so you so. know I know. One of the things that I think that you've come to, to realize is the information that you have now. When you started this journey, what information that do you have now? What made you come to the point that you were broke, dressed and fly, but you weren't doing nothing? When did that happen for you? Well, what happened as I continue as I continue to do is from the soul, my soul started to feel good helping people. It made me feel great. It made me feel it put me in a good place. And that's how it's from the soul started. It's from the soul. It's a nonprofit organization that provides comfort respect and service from the soul of your heart to the soul of their feet. Mm-hmm. There are nonprofits that feed. There are nonprofits that have shelter programs. There are nonprofit who get people ID, education. We are utilizing the sneaker culture and taking this sneaker culture, this trillion dollar culture, but giving it to people who need it and not people who want it. Right. And what I realized, what I realized is as I continue to do this, that I was greeted different than before. Before the greeting, yo, what up? How are you? Now the greeting is a hug. Now there's, there's a free, uh, a free, um, free gift. <laughs> no, there's like what? You, what is the, what? I'm a free dark and stormy when I get to the bar now. You know, like it, it, it changed. It changed. Like, yeah. uh, uh, one day I'm gonna share something with you. There's this guy that used to shop at Atrium, um, because the way I used to carry myself, it wasn't the way he carried himself. Most customers relate in eye of a salesperson who f- they feel they can relate to. So I was dressed all high end and all fancy. He was looking for like the the thug of the store. So yeah. the 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 thug of the store <laughs> at that time was Brian, this dude named O'Billy. <laughs> so O'Billy had a style that related to him. Every time I tried to help him, this dude would like shove me off or yeah, nah, I don't want your help. Like straight raw, like I don't need your homie. I don't need your help. I'm good. And I'd be like, yo, why the dude won't let me help him? <laughs> Long story short, like going to clubs, going to concerts, I used to always see the dude, but we never spoke. I would see him in Brooklyn because he ended up knowing some people that I know, some street people that I know, you know? And then one day, one day, I'm at a concert at the Barclays Center. It's Rihanna and Travis Scott, I think. Yeah, I think it's Travis Scott and Rihanna at the Barclays Center. And I'm at the concession stand about to buy something. I see him, I see him and his crew. Next thing you know, the dude is walking towards me. But I'm looking around because I'm like, he's probably going to speak to someone else. And the dude comes up to me. And I'm I'm already in defense mode because I'm like, yeah, I know you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not feeling me. So what would you be coming up to me for? He comes up to me, he says, Yo, yeah, I see the work you're doing, yo. That's some good stuff right there. Mm. Shakes my hand, mm. gives me a hug, and walks away. In the Barclay Center, I'm a very emotional dude. And in the Barclay Center right there, I just started crying. Mm. I just started crying at this concert because someone who never wants to deal with you or sees you but never acknowledges you, and then he finds out what you do, and he came up to me 
and he gave me a hug and a, and pound. a, and a pound. Wow. I started crying. I went into the bathroom and just started crying. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that <laughs> why he didn't want to mess with you before because he thought you were a person of substance? You were just a person of, of that looked down on people? What do you think it was? No, well, it's just like the same thing we were speaking about before. Image and what you see. You Sometimes you try to see what you may relate to. Right. And you know, you don't. we all as human beings don't know that the thing that you mostly can relate to is something that you'll never see physical. It's always inside. And that's why your best friend is your best friend. At some point in time, you had a best friend. You work out, he work out, y'all do the same thing. But then that's all physical. Mm. When you get to the point of breaking it down, you had family problems. He had family problems. He helped you get out your family problems. You helped him. Now the, 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 the physical is done now you are relating to each other. Got it. So he didn't see, when he looked and saw me the way I dress, he was like, this is not someone who would I would hang out with. So I don't want to speak to you. And plus, you're here to help me. I'm not here to help you. So, homie, I don't want you helping me in this clothing store. Stay away from me. Wow. And, and when I saw him in other places, it was that same look. Like, yo, what, what you looking at? Or, you know, like, yeah. you know. So I was like, okay, cool. I realized, you know, he has his circle and I have mine. But the day at the Barclays Center when he was coming towards me, I didn't know what was his purpose for coming towards me. I was like, you don't mess with me. So what you coming here to me for? But he was coming up to me to tell me he's, he's proud of me. Wow. And he liked, and he's him and his lady were laying in the bed at home and they saw us on, on a, a TV show. And he was like, yo, that's some really good stuff you're doing. Wow. Yeah. No, so basically that. with that being said, you know, uh been doing this for nine years now. That's it's from the soul. It was a, a nonprofit organization. We provide service, respect, and comfort to people in need. And in nine years, we have been to fifteen countries around the world and we've been to thirty-six cities around America and has certified provided more than thirty one thousand sneakers to people who need and not want. Right. And now, you know, because of the kind of sneakers that we're providing and the companies that are giving us sneakers, you know, sometimes when people see less fortunate people with things that are nicer than theirs, we are now judging what less fortunate is by the eye and not by the situation. And because of that, when you see a less fortunate person with a real fly pair of Jordans or some Kanye's or some Travis Scott's, you think he's not less fortunate. You think he's lying to you. So what we started doing now is we started putting our logo in the front, the back of the or the side of the sneaker. So when you see these less fortunate people with really you nice know. sneakers, you know that it's from the soul gave it to them. You don't have to question them anymore. You don't have to judge them anymore for having mm -hmm. something nicer than you. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't they have? They how many have. how many t times me and you receive something that we probably don't deserve? But we, 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 we received it. Why shouldn't they too? Now 2021, there's a new less fortunate. The new less fortunate is, yes, he lives in a shelter, but every Friday he still gets a haircut. He's less fortunate, but he still dry cleans his clothes. He's less fortunate, but he still goes to the gym. He goes to Blink Fitness, still get it, still get it in. Mm -hmm. But he lives in a shelter. So, but everybody sees him, and they all the girls see him, and they think he's fly. They want him. They don't know his situation. So, less fortunate now is not 
a look anymore. It's a situation. And we as an organization, we are trying to get people to understand that. We're trying to get people to, to realize, I'm not telling you don't like nice things and don't enjoy, but whatever you love, whatever you love, G, whatever you love, whatever drives you crazy, if you love it so much, you should go back into where you were from in the Bronx and go teach some young kids how to love it too. Mm-hmm. Find 10 kids, eight or five of them would think it's cool. Three of them will think it's interesting. Two of them will love it. Mm-hmm. And one will be blown away. And the one that's blown away is cool, is, 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 uh, is what you want. There's a young girl right now from upstate New York. Her and her mom came with me one day to give sneakers around Manhattan. This young girl, 14 years old, I believe, started becoming a young woman, if you understand what I'm saying, and started her body started changing. So she asked her mom, these women who are less fortunate, when their body starts changing, what do they do? How do they get what you bought me for my body? The mother says, I'm not sure. The little girl says, I want to create a, a company or a program where when women are less fortunate, I make sure that they have the things that they need for the time of their month. Wow. And she has a a nonprofit now because of It's From The Soul. And I'm so proud that this little girl goes around the country and tell people that what inspired her is our organization. Seeing us provide sneakers inspired her to say, you know what, I want to create my own also too. So... Now that we are what we are doing now, we are we are trying to tell children, you know, if you love sneakers, that's cool. But at the same time, don't forget that a sneaker is only leather, rubber and cotton. Mm. Leather. Look, look, leather, rubber and cotton. That's it. And no leather, rubber and cotton combination together has ever saved someone's life. Yeah, I want to stop you there because I love that piece. I don't want to, I don't want to forget this part that you just said. I don't want to miss it. But you talked about this young girl that you inspired. So it leads me to this question that I ha- I don't hear a lot of times when I'm talking to entrepreneurs is there's a person out there that's listening that they'll say, you know, Andre got it. Glenn got it. This one got it. This girl got it. That's not me. I don't have the resources. Could you please speak to those people? What are some of the steps that they could take, you know, whether it is if their passion is sneakers, where their passion is giving back to the community, closing, how do where do you start? Well, your passion to me, where do you start? Is if you you have a love for it. Usually, people who have a love for it don't perfect it. You just are trying it. That's where your love for it starts. Just trying it, just failing to do it, but continuing to do it. And that's what happened with me in the beginning. I just started going around giving sneakers around New York. I created this thing in New York that other organizations are using. I'm, I'm answering your question now yeah, yeah, by I'm saying listening. this. Yeah, yeah, I'm called the It's From The Soul Love Triangle. The It's From The Soul Love Triangle is the four areas or to five areas of New York City that if you always go there, you will always see less fortunate people. We do not call them bums. We do not call them homeless. We call them less fortunate for one day we believe they will become fortunate. I do not use the word homeless or bums. Less fortunate to one day they will become fortunate. 
So the is from as I continue to give these sneakers around New York City, there were five areas that every time I go there, I see a high level of less fortunate people there. That is 14th Street Union Square, Madison Square Garden Penn Station, Port Authority Port Authority Bus Terminal, Bryant Park 42nd Street and Grand Central 42nd Street train station. That's the It's From The Soul Love Triangle. So anybody on here, if you want to feed less fortunate people, if you got a bunch of clothes in your house that you don't wear, these are the areas that you need to go to provide. Now, another thing that is very important, very, very, very important, you have to understand when you want to help less fortunate people, it's not always going to be easy. You can get cursed at. You can get yelled at. I've been spit at, not spit on, but I've been spit at. And the easiest thing for me to do is say, you know what? I'm going back to Brooklyn. I'm done. But that one situation cannot stop me from continuing to help people. How many times have me and UG done something wrong to somebody? They could have got, they could have been done with us, but they gave us a second chance. They gave you an opportunity to, to, to apologize or to what's the name. People have to understand less fortunate people, not just in New York, not just in America, all over the world are used to asking you. They're not used to you asking them. So when we go up to less fortunate people, excuse me, sir, excuse me, miss. That's the respect part. They're not used to sir or miss. They're not used to that. They used to get out my way. Leave me, what do you get, get out the way get out of here so that that little part of respect goes a long way so right. we are trying to change the narrative of providing by letting less fortunate people know that we're here to help them which is the hardest thing in the world another thing too mm -hmm. it's the hardest thing without november december no disrespect at all please to anyone who wants to do this Please, no disrespect, but everyone is Santa Claus during November and December. Everybody has a give back. Everybody wants to do this. Everybody wants to put their Santa Claus outfit. What happened to January to October? No, we pay no attention to those people who are less fortunate. Right. You know? So the, uh, the question I want to ask though is- One second too. Okay. I don't, uh, don't want to get away. No, no, yeah. we're not going to get away. Okay. September. Okay. September right now. Celebrities, mm -hmm. R&B artists, rappers, basketball players, baseball players, drug dealers, mm -hmm. um, influencers, party promoters are calling, texting, DMing my cell phone. We want to do something for back to school. Yo, we want to partner with you for back to school. This year, for some reason, out of nowhere, everybody wants to partner with me for back to school to give sneakers. Back to school is in September. So what you going to do the other eight months that they're in school? Why don't we have in-school events? Why is it always back to school? You, you, you concentrate so much passion on them going into school. But the other eight months you forget them? We don't do nothing for them at all in the school? So I've been telling my board members who really are trying their best to understand. I'm like, I don't want to do any back to school events. Let's... Let's do it in, in February when everybody forgot. Let's do it in March, April. Let's do it in the months where people are not really paying attention, October. But mm -hmm. in September, every single person is concentrating on giving back to back to school.
So what you, you want to? So so yeah. So what what happens usually? And I think in, when he, there's a certain initiatives that people do, like let's say for example, someone says, okay, autism's the thing, and that's the flavor of the month. Then now it's inclusiveness. Like I've been I've been in companies, and I worked a company, and they talked about inclusiveness. They wanted me to be in a commercial, but the place wasn't inclusive. So I was like, no, thank you. So I think it's the same thing that you're 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 talking about here with people thinking about back to school. That's what they know. That's the initiative that's been always pushed. It, it seems to be a good thing to get to, to get as much attention as possible around those times. And you're right. Some of the time it's not about the it's mostly never about the person. It's, it's more about there's money that gets put to them to do that. There's a lot of things. So my question to you would be, what can we do in terms of like, because I, I know you're not about initiative. I know you do this year round. So let's say a person wanting to do this, but they're thinking, I don't have the, the influence. How do they how, for example, does a person um uh, donate their time to your organization. Let's say if I got off Monday and Wednesday, like mm. like after this interview, I'm gonna go out with you. But what do you have a structure in place where people can go to the website, they could see days that you might need help and fill in the time mm. and meet you there and y'all go around. Mm. I want I'm I like solution stuff. So what can we there's anything like that you do? Well that's a great question. Yeah. You know, right now we're still at the end, but we may not be at the end of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic started March twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So from March 2020 to May 2020, I was stressed out. I said, is this the end of It's From The Soul? Am I not going to help people? So what I started doing, I started going into the hood, Brownsville, East New York, Bed-Stuy, uh, Yonkers, Philly, D.C., Florida, Medellin, Colombia, started going into all the places where people tell you don't go. And I started providing services by bringing 200, 300 sneakers and helping all the kids in these different communities to give them a lift, give them a little spark, having social distance events, which meaning we still providing, but from a six feet standpoint, Mm -hmm. started providing companies, Verizon, God bless you, started sending thousands and thousands of hand sanitizers face masks, gloves, all the things that were needed during the pandemic, these big companies started sending. So to answer your question, like you said, how can people start? What is your love? Everyone has a love. Your love, you may not be good at it. You may not be great at it, but you have passion in it. That little piece of passion you have in it, if you find someone who has a percentage of passion for what you love, You can grow with them. You can teach them. You may not be a perfectionist at it. You may not be great at it, but just the passion you have for it. You, I go on social media. Sometimes a lot I see you with the nunchucks practicing. Am I right? Correct. You, I am, I am, uh, what is this word? I am challenging you to find a child. Either the, stop, hold on, hold on, hold on. A child in the Bronx, Queens, on this block, I need you to stand in front of your house one day with some tunes softly played that you love and do your nunchucks. I bet you about six or seven children will start coming and start asking you, hey, can I try? Can I this and that? Then what you do, there's six or seven, but there's one, he going to come and knock on the door. Is Mr. G here? You sleeping. Kid, I, I'm trying to get it from the left to the right over the arm, but 
every time I go from left to right over the arm, it falls back underneath the arm. What do I do to get it over the arm? And then here you come. Well, what you need to do is if you take your elbow and you throw it more towards the rib, it will lead room for it to come over. And then you grab it. And now you have it's from the soul. Right. It's no. from the nunchucks. Right. Do you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? No. So I was going to tell you. So what you said exactly what I do. So there, like when I found I had a passion for it, I do go into the parks where there are kids and it happens already. I was going to tell you that the difference is that what happens the parents are usually concerned. Like my biggest issue is parents think that they they don't want their kids to go out and, and hurt anybody. So I, I tell parents all the time, like the place to go in Chinatown where they can get the baby ones that are soft and, and rubber. They think all of them are wooden. That's one of my parents didn't want me to do it. So that, yeah, so that's just to answer your question. I, it happens now. My biggest problem is not the kids and getting them involved. It's the parents afraid they're going to hurt themselves or they're going to hurt someone else. So that's mm. my challenge. Are you, are you teaching anyone right now how to use nunchucks? Yeah, like I like well, the parents that will allow me. There is a there was a child that came to me that I want to train in the park. He asked me several times, and I said his parent has to uh, agree to it. I don't know mm -hmm. where the parents are. He has to be about like maybe seven or eight. The other kids just watch, like you said, from a distance. He's the only one that came up to me. He asked me to to borrow my bow staff. He wanted to use it, wow. and I said to him, "Well, if your parent comes here, I will let you. I'll get you one if if your parent agrees." But I, I gotta I gotta know that the parent because like he's he's too he's too he's too young, you know I don't want to get in any trouble with anybody so I mm -hmm. want to make sure the parent agrees I'm gonna get the camp parent on camera because you know you get hit with this stuff you will even the phone ones they hurt um, that's gonna happen for sure so I want to make sure that I cover my bases you know I I teach a lot of even those the size up there I train on those too so I have some plastic ones in the closet for kids when I'm out there I only take the plastic ones and and a kid comes mm -hmm. up to me. And I will, if his mother or father says, okay, I will let him use it all the time. So yes. I, now, I, another thing also yeah. too, what you say and too is, uh, the, um, the parent mm -hmm. side of everything. Yeah. What if the kid needs an escape? What if the kid needs, you know, mentorship Yeah. that the parent won't give that the parent don't understand. Yeah, that's a rough one. That that's, that's a, tough. you see, it is tough. You know, tough. Um, there's two sides of it's from the soul working with children. There's usually the child is on punishment, or the the mother thinks the kid is spoiled, so she wants the kid to see people who don't have, and what they do, they call me and say, "Would you take my kids out?" Okay, you know that's the one situation. But also, there's that kid who probably doesn't get well with his his family. He needs, he's the youngest and the three other children are all girls. Mm -hmm. He needs some base to hang around. He needs a guy. He needs some mentorship. And that may be you. That may be you. You know, um, you probably need to get the kids or the parents to sign a form, you know, and then in everything that's good, there's some pain. So, of course, the kid is going to have to bust himself <laughs> in the head with a nunchuck to understand, you know, you know what I'm saying? Come but on. I, I like what you said about that part. So, and this kind of, and it kind of brings it to your business, right? People, they see the upside of everything. They see when it, it goes well and they don't see the, the part that's going to hurt. And I think that's the part of real, re, some adults don't realize there's some pain. So imagine trying to explain to them that their child might have to, um, let me turn this off, sorry. 
imagine explaining to a, a, an adult that their child, right, might be in pain because they might get hit with a nunchuck or or sometimes, it, you know, one of the things that I find is parents and, and people of a certain have given up on their dreams. Like you see how you have a dream and you follow it. You encourage people like you don't understand. Like I'm encouraged when I watch your stuff. I seen where you came from. And I was like, at first I was like, I don't know what's Dre doing with this thing. Like, like most people would think, I know you, I know that you're in fashion. I was like, did they put him up to this? Right. And, and, and after like, but no, but after hearing you speak, here's the thing that, that, that really kind of did it for me. When you hear people speak and you connect to them and I'm like, yeah, that's a different guy. than I remember totally different. I've, I've had conversations with you before. And then I, and then when you started, it's from the soul you reveal your soul to me. And that's what I see. And I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure you get that a lot. Yeah. And um, we are, I'm still, I used to get mad at my friends when I go on social media, seeing them hang out, going to parties and I wasn't invited. But I, <laughs> right. I know. but I, I, I know that, you know, my purpose is something different. You know, uh, I'm 47 years old. Uh, until I was 45, if you ever spoke to me about going to Africa, I'd be like, why I go there for? For what? Mm. I only wanted to go to the fashionable places. So my goal dreams of places to go where I went to all of them is Italy, London, and Paris. That's the only places that I wanted to go because that's like fashion God places, you know? Never wanted to go to Africa. My stepfather's from Africa, you know? I never wanted to go there. At 45 years old, at 40... Wow. At 45 years old, I went to Uganda, Africa. It's my first time going to Africa. Mm. I went with a other organization called Innovation Africa, which they provide water through water pipes through the ground for for tribes in Africa. So as they provided water, I provided sneakers. My friend, life changing trip. I came back from Africa. I didn't even want to use the water in my apartment. I I want I didn't want to turn the lights on. I felt spoiled. I felt like I was a brat and I wasn't humble. The people, some of the people, those people, bless you, those people in Uganda, don't have a percent of what you have. But prideful, strong, vibrant, um, loving. Not because you, what you came to do, because you came. Not because you, what you came to do, because you just, you came. They know you're from America, you could be there. You came here? You know, I got off the plane. First thing the guy told me is, what took you so long to come home? Automatically crying. Automatically crying. Automatically. Uh, I went to Guinea Conakry, January 2020. I went to a part of Guinea-Conakry, Africa, where children have never worn sneakers before. From where I provided, the nearest sneaker store is about 10 miles away. And they're all fake. So where would a child in Guinea-Conakry go to get comfort? Soccer, the sport. A kid in seventh grade in Guinea-Conakry playing soccer would be playing college soccer here in America. That's how good he is. He just doesn't have the right resources and the right training and the right equipment. 
But if you got one of those kids, which all these European programs are now going over there to take these kids, sign these kids to these long contracts because their parents give their parents and the child a visa to move to Europe to play ball because they, they would never have the opportunity at home. They're going over there now to grab these kids. Gee, when you see children, what do you mean these children never wore sneakers before? We got to Guinea Conakry. We did three events in one day. Brooklyn, the Bronx, and then we drove an hour and a half to like Philadelphia. The first event that we did in Guinea Conakry, they told me it was going to be 25 children there. When I got there, there were 40 parents. And each parent had about three to four children. I thought it was only going to be 25 kids here. Why is there hundreds of kids here? You know, because it got out that you are coming to provide. So we're providing. I'm enjoying. It's enjoyable. And then someone taps me on the shoulder and says, Andre, we got to go. I'm like, what do you mean? We have two other places we need to go and provide at. I'm like, but what about some of these kids didn't receive? Yes, but you got to hold on to sneakers because we're going to two other places. Mm. Hysterically crying. Get to the second place. All the kids that were there were, me were meant to be there. Every single person, students and teachers, received a pair of sneakers. Went to the third location, an hour and a half away, provided. Only two children out of 78 did not get a pair of sneakers. And the reason they didn't get is because the sizes that we had left were too small for them. Not too big for them, but too small. If it was too big, we'd, we'd leave it for them for when they get bigger. It was too small. Mm. If you could understand seeing a kid from Africa's eyes, the beautiful brown with that yellow coloring around of it, crying in front of you because all his friends were able to receive and he didn't get, mm. nothing, nothing, in the world felt like that. I've had my heart broken by a woman. <laughs> I've broken a woman heart. <laughs> I've seen my sister cry over a guy. I'm telling you some things that have really hurt. You right, understand? Right, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, the first time my daughter cursed. <laughs> you know, like things that have really, really hurt me. But nothing in the world hurt me like that day. Wow. Looking at these two young kids and like, I don't have nothing for them. Mm. Now, if the, I wear 12, <laughs> if these kids wore like a 10 or like a 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half or 12 or 12 and a half and then pulled the soul out, I would have left, gave them my sneakers and drove back to the hotel and put my other shoes on. Mm. But when the kid wears a six and all that's left is three and a half and down, my man. There's, you know, I, I was so in pain. So I was like, what do I do? And then the the people who were there with us was like, you can't give them money. You cannot. You cannot give them money. He's like, well, first of all, if you give them money, they have to travel too far to, to exchange it. Yeah. This American money you're giving them or whatever. So I, it just hurt me. It just, yeah. it hurt me, you know. And um, that story, bro. That yo, that story right there. Then I have another one before, you know. Um, 
Rome, Italy. In Rome, Italy, when you think of Rome, Italy, you think of beautiful tourism and you think of the the um you think of Gladiator and you think of the Colosseum and everything. Oh, you know the Penn Station that we have in, in on 34th Street? Yeah. They have a Penn Station there too. It's called Termini. And it is full with less fortunate people roaming through back and forth. We, me and my friend John Charles, bless you, John Charles, bless you. Me and John Charles, we went to Rome, Italy to do It's From the Soul in Rome, Italy. It is the first place I went to where people did not want to take the sneakers from me. They thought I was a cop. Now, let me explain to you. I asked my friend John, who speaks Italian, why do they not want to take the sneakers? He's hysterically laughing. He said, you know, they think you're a cop. I said, what do you mean? He said, they said there's no way that a man of your skin plus speaking English plus giving sneakers that they sell right there that's super expensive for free that are brand new would give me a shoe and not be a cop. I, I was shocked. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, they think I'm a cop? Why? Is that because black people don't come to Rome and help people? Black Americans come here to show off. You come in here to help? They, they, they don't believe that you're really here to help. They don't, they, 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 it's weirding them out. <laughs> I can bet. It's from the Soul Los Angeles NBA All-Star Weekend. I was working for Adidas then. Shout out Ariel, John, and Derek. I appreciate you guys for always making sure that I'm at the, those events to, to, to get the exposure. I appreciate you. Um, NBA All-Star Weekend three years ago in L.A. Uh, Converse wants to send me 100 pairs of sneakers to Brooklyn. I said, can you send it to the Doubletree in L.A. instead? I'm going to NBA All-Star Weekend working for Adidas. What I can do is before I work for Adidas every morning, I can get up two hours earlier, walk around Skid Row and provide sneakers. Um, they sent me 100 pairs of sneakers, brown, gray, black, cream, white, red, blue, orange, yellow, pink. So we providing. I'm there for five days. So every day I'm, before I work for Adidas, I'm providing it's the first place in the world that I went to that people who are less fortunate would not take the red or take the blue sneakers. And I was, I said, these are brand new. No, 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 I'm not giving you nothing used. Gentleman told me, sorry, sir, I can't take the red sneakers. I'm like, why? Because I keep my stuff in the blue area. And if I wear red, mm -hmm. I can get hurt. I'm sorry, sir, I can't take the red sneakers. Why? Because I keep my stuff in a red area. And if I wear these, I can get hurt. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, they, I, don't, Dang, I know you're yeah. from New York. It's a little tough out there. But here, it's no talking. It's really real. You can really get hurt over blue or red. It hurt me. Because all those sneakers that they brought, and they sent me them. And I'm still, I never go back to an event with, with how, how can I be in, this place called Skid Row, which they do documentaries, they do movies. Uh, it, it's, it's a main place where they know we're less fortunate people. It's a, their own small city of less fortunate. And how could I leave here with sneakers? But I had to understand that, you know what? 
another thing too we have to make people understand also too you may want to help them but sometimes they don't they have their preference the way me and you have our preference g you know i don't there's certain things i don't wear so because they're less fortunate you think that there's certain things that you give them that they should just take it because they're less fortunate no a gentleman told me i'm sorry you know no just you know i don't wear i don't wear bright colors in my shoe I'm like, but you really barely have anything on. He's like, yes, but I have my preference too. You wore, you. he told me, you wore what you wore today, right? I want to wear what I want to wear. If you have any other colors that are darker, I'll take it, sir. You called me sir too. But he was like, I can't do any sneakers with all those bright little colors in it. He's like, it's not my thing. And I said, first, I said, like, what? What you... <laughs> You ain't even got nothing on, you know, like when I first right. started doing it, it's from the soul, you, you know, on, yeah. but then I had to realize like these people have preferences the way me and you have preferences. How you eat is how you eat. Sometimes we, sometimes we partner with restaurants and when we partner with restaurants, they, 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 we pay for food and they provide food. Mm-hmm. When we go up to some of these people in Manhattan, you know, the, the gentleman asks, so what is that in the plate? I said, this is, this is jerk chicken, rice and peas and vegetables. I appreciate it. Do you have the rice and peas alone without the chicken? Why? Because I'm Muslim and I don't, or I'm a vegetarian. I'm a real vegetarian. I don't eat anything that ever had a heart. And I'm like, but you said you're hungry. Yes, but I have my preference to eat. Good point. And we have to, we have to understand these people are just like you. These less fortunate people, we're all the same. It's just a situation that makes it different. What is your favorite song, G? What's Man. your favorite song? My favorite song. That Happy if it birthday. came on right now, you just start dancing. Happy birthday by Stevie Wonder. Happy birthday by Stevie Wonder. There's someone in Manhattan right now who's less fortunate. You know what's his favorite song? Happy birthday by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. He know where it was arranged at. Mm-hmm. He know who's playing drum behind. He knows what studio it was recorded at. He know the day that the album came out. He know how many songs is on there. He knows how to sing. There's, you know this Happy Birthday by Stevie Wonder, but in, in, he made it in different languages too. Mm-hmm. And he know that guy know how, doesn't speak the other language, but knows how to sing it in the other language because that's how much he loves Stevie Wonder. I love it. So you have to understand that these people are less fortunate or just like me and you. The situation is all that makes it different. You mentioned that you had to put your own money up, things of that nature. By your bootstraps. I want to hear a little bit about that. If you can give us some advice or something. Well, what I would tell the person who has a passion to start a nonprofit or to, to start their own company, you know, uh, uh, nine five killers is people who basically are are leaving their nine to five to to take their passion. Whether whether they make five dollars an hour or two dollars an hour, it's their own five dollars and not working for a company. What I would tell someone is. Um, the first thing I had to do is change the people I hung with. I had to, that's one thing I did. I changed the people I hang with. You know, uh, wow, how could I explain this with, with the answer to your question? I went to an event, and when I realized that It's From The Soul was my passion, was the conversation at the, at, at the, at the table we were sitting at. And every single person... This is, this is a little off of the question, but it's still answering the question. Every single person that was sitting at the table, all they wanted to talk about was n- new pulse, 
or high school or a time in fashion when they were doing it, when they were the best, when he used to be able to slam dunk with two hands. And all I could talk about at the table is what I'm doing now. I didn't want to talk about when I had hair and braids and when I, you know, I wanted to talk about what I'm doing now. And you could feel they were trying to move me out the conversation because they wanted to stay in the place of when they were 17, 18 years old and they were the cutest, the hottest, the flyest. And I was like, I don't want, I want to talk about what I'm doing now. You know, so Dre, what's up? Nothing, brother. Everything is good. I just came from Israel. You went to Israel? They didn't want to hear that conversation. They wanted to keep talking about the time when they were at their best. And I would want to talk about Israel when it's from the soul went to Israel. And when I went to Israel, G, and I announced it on social media and how much backlash I got about it. People were telling me that if I go and help the people in Israel, that they're going to unfollow me on social media or they're not going to talk to me anymore or they're not feeling me. So I took that negative energy that they gave me and I said, you know what? I got to do something when I'm in Israel. So what I did in Israel, we brought 300 pairs of sneakers. But when we got there, it was Friday night, which is the Sabbath there. Custom is closed. My event is supposed to be Saturday morning. So I didn't get the sneakers until Monday. So I had to postpone the event in Israel for three days. Then the backlash that I had going to Israel, I had to take that energy and utilize it in a good way. So I went to a place called Bentashanti. Bentashanti is for teenagers who their parents push them out the house. They're on drugs. They have substance abuse or their parents don't want them. It's a place that takes them in, gives them education, teach them, get them a college degree, help them to learn to better themselves, get them off drugs. But there's African people there. There's Israeli people there. There's people from the Middle East there. Young kids, but you have to be a teenager. So people were mad that I was going to Israel. So what I did, I went to the Jewish side of Israel to help the children at Ben Tashanti. And then I drove an hour and a half to the Muslim side. And I help the Muslim people with sneakers too. So basically what I could say to you, since we're about the same age, uh, I went to Death Row, where Death Row was from, and I would help the people there. Then I, I flew all the way to, to Harlem, to Bad Boy Records, and I helped the people there too because of the backlash that I received. But to answer your question, to go back to it is, uh, how can they whatever they love what what you love to do i don't know how to cook god ain't blessed me to how to, if i could cook food with it's from the soul we could give sneakers and meals oh, oh we give meals too there's food and meals food is a plate a meal is a plate knife fork napkin and something to drink that's called a meal we provide meals we don't give food we don't no disrespect, please. But you, out of millions of people in this world, we don't eat after other people when they eat. Why should these less fortunate people do that? Why you don't give them a meal? Then it's so funny. People are so funny. And, and I, of course, I'm speaking because the place that I've been put in, so it's my job to educate people. My job to educate people. You give somebody a plate of food, give them a knife and fork. Simplicity that we forget when we help these less fortunate people. You want them to eat with their hands? 
You don't eat with your hands when you eat food. Wash your day. But that's a th- we have to educate. So what, like just now with the nunchucks and stuff, how you have to educate me on what you have to go through in order to help with your, the children. We have to educate people also too and let them know like, hey, don't just give somebody a plate of food. Give them something to eat it with. Now, when you eat a plate of food, what's usually on the side of you or in front of you? Something to drink to, to, to quench it down. You give them a plate of food, don't give them something to drink with it. So it's from the soul. We provide meals. Meal, um, food is a plate of food. A meal is a plate of food, knife, fork, napkin, and something to drink. That is a meal. So I keep going back around because you keep giving me other things to, to talk about. But I love it. But yeah, that, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what it is, man. Like whatever your passion is. Just keep going at it. Just keep doing it. I, and it sounds so corny because that's what Michael tells you. That's what Kobe tells you. That's what Jay-Z tells you, whatever the case may be. But I started doing this by myself. And I made a lot of mistakes. A lot of companies that wanted to work with me in the beginning, I didn't want to work with them. Why? Because I worked for somebody for 19 years. So I had something now that belonged to me. You want to work with me? Nah, you want to steal what I made. That was my mindset. You hear me? Yeah. That was my mindset nine years ago. When all those companies wanted to work with me, I didn't work with, want to work with them. I thought they were trying to steal it's from the soul from me because it's the first time ever having something that belongs to me. It was my first time having something that was mine. It was my first time being a 9-5 killer. So I thought they was trying to come take it from me. So I didn't want to work with companies. I didn't want to. I was pushing companies away. Now nah, I get it done by myself. And let's keep it real. Then the CNN thing came. Then after CNN, ABC, then NBC, then Brooklyn News 12. Ellen then DeGeneres, I think. Ellen DeGeneres, Meredith Vieira, um, New York of the Year, New York of the Week. All these things came. So the more accolades started coming, more companies started wanting to work with me until I realized that, you know what? It's not the companies that want to work with you. And this is for guys who would you, you want to get your company involved. It's not the companies that want to work with you. It's the companies who are already helping the less fortunate. Those are the great companies that I want to work with. Companies already who are, who are already out there or helping it. Or there are companies who have resources that can help me to help less fortunate people. You know, there's some people, there's some celebrities, there's three celebrities that I can't say their name right now because if I did, I, 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 they're going to come and kill me. There's three celebrities who donate sneakers to It's From The Soul like it makes no sense. They don't want to be tagged. They don't want to be hashtagged. And they don't want to be mentioned. They don't need no clout. They're doing it because it's from their heart. And they don't want no, nobody me to speak about it. So back to your qu- initial question again. Whatever your passion is, make some mistakes in it. If you if everything is perfection, if everybody's always telling you you're great, no, I, I love when I meet someone who says, "Yo, I love the I, God bless the person who said, "Yo, if you're doing from your heart, why you gotta post them? Why you gotta put the pictures of them up?" I said because if I don't, then all those boxes that come from Nike, Adidas, and New Balance. We need to let them know that we are providing their donations and we appreciate them. You know, I got someone who works from New Balance. He told me the other day, Dre, don't send me one more picture or video of what you're doing. I believe you. And I'm like, yo, no, no, I'm just sending it to you because I want you to see. Dre, I believe you. You don't got to send me another picture or video. 
But my back to the initial question again. I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, nah, you, you, you hit it. You hit just, it. Just, just, just keep going. Just keep going. You know what I mean? I, uh, I made a lot of bad mistakes for the organization in the beginning. I wanted to do it all by myself. Then I had an issue too. This is good. People need to hear this. My issue also too was people want to help me and I didn't want their help. I said I could do it myself. The best help to get is to get people to help you where you can't do what they do. My, my advice, get help from people who can do things that you cannot even try to do. Why? Because you're going to allow them to do it the way they do it and not tell them how to do it. You know, I always, I, I want to tattoo this on me. I tell people all the time, don't listen to people who tell you how to do your 50 push-ups if they can't do 25. And I, and I was that person. Don't listen to people who try to tell you how to do 50 push-ups, your 50 push-ups, if they can't do 25. And my point with that being said is I needed to start working with people who can do things that I couldn't do and allowing them to help me on their time because I can't do it. So I got to wait for them now. But if I could do it, I, I, I won't ask them. And, I, and the hardest thing also, too, in your passion, it's your passion. You got to ask people to help you. And now at 47, I've been doing this for nine years. I, I now ask people to help me. I need your help. I need help. I, can you give me a ride here? Can you help me? Can you introduce me to this person? Can you can you fill can you write this out? Can you can I send this to you and you make sure that I didn't make any spelling mistakes in it? Before I just post it. Before I just would send it. Nah, you gotta and then another thing too, this is a powerful thing. Uh a powerful thing. Using people to you using my friends to help me to help less fortunate people. You have a car. Or you have this and that. There's some people, they don't want to go out and help less fortunate people. That's not their thing. They don't want to deal with them. But they want to utilize whatever they have to help me. Shout out to you, Ernie. I love you, Ernie. My friend Ernie has a super big truck. Ernie ain't going to come out with me and give out no sneakers to no less fortunate people. But if I need the sneakers transported from someplace from A to B to Z, Ernie will transport them for me. That's his way of giving back. So to let people know that you don't have to initially, you don't, your passion, you don't have to make, you don't have to, everyone doesn't have to do your passion, but you can utilize as people's potential. You can utilize people's resources that they have to bigger your passion. That's a good one. That's a major. Do you understand? Yes. You don't, they're not, what you do, you, uh, you, you a singer. Some people not into music. That's not their thing. But her sister's, her, her sister's husband owns a recording studio. She's not going to, she don't want to care. She don't want to hear your new album. She don't want to hear your new mixtape. She just want to know, did they allow you to use the space? That's her contribution to giving back. And we have to allow people to do that. We have to allow people to help us in our nine, five killers that we are people that we ask them to help us. We have to allow them to help us the way they can and not always the way we want to. I know some people, they say, Oh, you ask for what you want. 
but not everybody not every not everyone is, is you know is like that i tell people who are less fortunate too i tell less fortunate people on the street every time when i see them asking for change i tell them don't ask for a dollar because you only ask for a dollar the guy want to give you twenty dollars and only give you a dollar you hear me g i hear you you hear me don't ask yo you you got you got five dollars you can let me Oh man, I want to give you a twenty, but you only want this five. five okay, five. let me give you the five because you only wanted five. He, nobody in the world is gonna give you more. So don't, don't, don't put a limit on what you're asking for. Allow them to give you the way they can give you, and that's what I'm doing with companies now too. I can tell companies what is good for me and what not. Like because the pandemic, we don't give you sneakers anymore. So only sneakers we give are sneakers that are new. Why? I don't want any less fortunate person coming with some form trying to sue us from the soul, saying that we gave them a used sneaker and now something happened to their feet. Especially during the pandemic. So all the sneakers that we provide, all the sneakers that we're giving out today are new sneakers. I'm not giving anything used anymore. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I don't give used sneakers anymore. Okay. You know, I want, there's nothing refreshing than pulling the tag off a sneaker. There's nothing refreshing than opening a sneaker and then pulling that little cloth off of it. There's nothing. We know what that feeling is like. So why shouldn't these less fortunate people have that same feeling too? I love it. Well, we got to get to our appointment. I don't want us to be late. Um, uh, so I'm rocking. You have your own business. What is it like? Working for your your business as opposed to like when you worked for a company, what's the differences? Well, I worked in retail for a very long time since I was twenty years old till forty years old. I worked in a bunch of clothing stores where when you have an issue with your hours, when you have an issue with vacation, when you have an issue with your four hundred one k, there's a division or there's a floor or there's an office you can go to, and they help you with these problems, but. When you work for yourself, you are your own HR. That means anything you need to deal with, you have to deal with it. You don't feel well, there is no bringing a doctor's note. You have to find that doctor's <laughs> note. Uh, the, you know, everything, every, finances, uh, doing taxes, especially when you are nine to five killer, the most powerful and most important thing is your taxes at the end of the year. Because now you don't have someone basically, you have to come up with all those receipts, all those, man, it's so much. So you people need to understand that when you leave your nine to five, you are your five to nine, mm. which means basically five days a week or, 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 or seven days a week, everything that you have to do everything that a company would have done for you when you work for them. Now you have to do it for yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of, a lot of jotting down things, making sure you didn't forget that you spend $20 on this, making sure that you for, don't forget that you have to send this in by this date. Why? Because the HR, HR, they do everything for you. You know, they make sure everything is taken care of. So that's the most powerful thing in becoming a nine to five killer is basically becoming your own company, becoming your own HR, your own marketing, your own marketing. For years, I got on the train with a hundred, it's from the soul flyers. And I would get on the train and I said, excuse me, my name's Andre McDonald. I'm not going to rap or sing to you. I'm the founder of it's from the soul. We are a nonprofit organization that we provide sneakers to less fortunate people around the country and around the world. If you have sneakers in your closet, or you're interested in getting involved with some cool 
inspiring nonprofit organization, here's my flyer. By the time I'm done, the whole train wants the flyer. And this is what we do, man. This is what we do. So people have to understand that once you leave that nine to five, you're thinking that it's, oh, okay, less stress. I could do it myself. But all the things that they incorporated Did. in your job, Man. you have to now become that. I love that marketing piece because I do marketing and strategy for, um, I'm a social media strategist, right? So one of the hardest things I get when a person starts a business, they have the money for everything. They've set everything up, podcasts, whatever it is. They don't want to market. So that that piece you just landed, you talked to the, the spirit of what mm. nine five killers is. You're, you're killing your day job, but you're becoming a boss. The boss mm. takes everything. You're the HR department. Mm -hmm. You're the marketing person. You are the person, the spokesman. When something goes out, when mm -hmm. something happens at your company, you payroll, payroll. Mm. Oh man. So yeah, if you're hearing that, it's not always like you know. I know people want to make it seem like you're gonna go off into the sunset, but what Andre <laughs> just told you. You can go off into the sunset um, with handcuffs on if you don't take care of your business. Yeah, right? for sure, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, when we became a nonprofit, I, I I was scared to 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 buy something, and then somebody told me, "Hey, you." They were like, "You know, you need to feed your volunteers." I'm like, "Why? Why do I need to give?" It's like, "Yo, they just volunteer their time. You should. You can take that money and make sure they have a good meal. Wow. Don't take them to Gucci, but just make sure they have a good meal. They just gotcha. helped you. So there's just so many things in having your own business that people need to. You need to do your research. Um, speak to people who have been successful at leaving companies and starting their own. Right. Those are people too, and don't ask them success. Write down the mistakes. Mm. Don't ask the success because everybody's so pleasant in speaking about the success. Write down the mistakes that they made to make sure that you don't do those. Oh, man. And one other question, because now you made me think of it now. What are, so you said write down the mistakes, but when you think about a person that's going to start their own business, what about it makes you think that a person, why do they focus only on the victories and, and not wanting to know the problems wow i i think social media did that social media is one part in that and then the glorification okay since you asked me that i'm gonna be real real super honest with you no disrespect at all but <laughs> wait, wait, wait but hold on no no no, no real real hold on no when i say no disrespect meaning that i'm kidding I don't really like talking about the Ellen show. All right. I've been featured on the Ellen show. The Ellen show gave it's from the soul $10,000. But is that Jesus Christ? Is that that we made it now? Cause I've been on that show. Cause I've been on that show. There's some people who introduced me to people. They don't even, I'm not even Andre. You know, he's been on the Ellen show. Really? Like does that, is that, I made it. Is that the championship ring? So everything I did before that show didn't count. All the money I spent out of my pocket to, to help people didn't count. But that show is like you done it. Mm. And I tell people, please do it. I don't even bring it up. More people bring it up than me because I don't know. They feel like, you know, oh, like, oh, yo, I've, I did it. No, I, I don't even mention it. I don't mention it. I don't mention it. Unless... Unless I have to do this thing called, I got to break the case. Break the case means like this is someone that he's not really sure if he, if, if he wants to help me or not. Like a celebrity. It's so crazy. Every celebrity, when I show them I'm on that, 
then they, you'll take my number. You'll take my, yo, yo. <laughs> but why, if I just tell you what I do, why won't you believe me? That show is like called the Believe Show. Once I tell people about that, people believe me. And she didn't even interview me. Jason Sudeikis interviewed me because he's one of my sponsors. She went away and he was a guest uh, host yeah. and he brought me on the show. I believe but I he, saw that. He had to get her permission to bring me on the show, of course. But, you know, it's like just people, yo, just. Can me- I ask you a question? Can I leave this in? Is that okay? Yes. That, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to put stuff in there. No, I, lovely, okay. lovely, lovely. You know, and, and, and like just, yeah. just like, yo, you know, like just people, people really do enjoy the success. But why do you usually see people cry when they win awards? Because they don't think about winning the award. They think about everything before winning the award. Mm. That's why they cry. They don't cry because they won the award. Real winners don't cry because you won. Real winners cry because you didn't have it and you won it. No one believed you and you won it. That's why people cry when they win Oscars and Grammys and stuff. They think that, yo, nobody believed me I was going to do that. I told you I was coming with this album and you didn't, y'all told me I shouldn't put it out. And look now, that's why people cry. That's people, yo, you know, I, I remember getting elbowed in the gym and I was playing and nobody thought I could do it. They was like, yo, you should give it up. You're now good. And now I won the championship ring. That's why people cry. Can I say one other thing, though? Just to that part about, so I love what you said about the award, but I also want to just touch on that. Ellen thing, one, one piece on it is the people that look up to you because of that is because that's where they want to be. They look at that as the gold standard. So don't get offended because mm. they, you know what somebody told I me one day? I never thought of that. Yo, you know what somebody told me one day that almost got me the way you were thinking? I was selling my hats and I said it was $50. This guy said, I want to support you. This guy that I don't know, I was, I was in Toastmasters. I was, a, um, I was in the VPPR, that's the public, um, public relations and Toastmasters. So I was on that board and this guy said, I love what you're doing with 95 Killers. I want to buy a hat. How much, how much is that with 30 bucks? I said, it's 50. He said, nah, it ain't worth 50. He said, now that ain't worth 50. And I said, what is, what is it worth? He said, well, I, I could see you could charge 50 when, 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 when Michael Bloomberg's wearing it. I said, that's your vision of what success is, not, not mine. Oh. And so when somebody sees you on an Ellen show and when they, when they remember, they only, they're thinking that to them, they ready to die once they're on the Ellen show. You understand that there was a life before and after that. After that. So don't be offended by them because remember, it's not about you, it's about where they see themselves or their limitations they'll mm. never achieve that and you achieving that is why they're proud of you not because you were not before it's just for them that's the like somebody asking what was like one of my role models i said my parents they go no no who's your celebrity role model my, my parents. parents so to some people that that didn't have that michael jordan is um kobe bryant was i love those guys those guys are cool i never met them i can't call them dead or alive i could never call them so mm. how can i get I've seen what they've done, but I've, I've watched my parents in the kitchen, you know, no sleep, run a business, mm. lose a business. Mm. So that's my role models. That's Yo. what Nine Five Killers is. So my father started wearing that because at first he wasn't supportive. When he started wearing it, that's my level. That's my success. Now, powerful. that's what it is. So thank you, Andre. I'm glad you mentioned this. So yeah, cool. dope, man. And now we got a little bit of your story too. <laughs> so that's fly, man. Andre, thank you so much for being here. I'm glad that you came. Really appreciate it. If you want to find out how you can donate to It's From The Soul on their website, it's itsfromthesoul.org. And you can also reach out to Andre on his Instagram page, It's From The Soul. And the soul is spelled S-O-L-E. 
I'll also put that in the show notes. Listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher.